Reading the Old Testament book of Lamentations requires a box of Kleenex tissues. The prophet Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet, grieved the spiritual decline of God's people that led to the destruction of Jerusalem by the ruthless Babylonians. Sadly, God's people did not heed the many warnings sent by the Lord through his prophets. Instead, they stiffened their necks, hardened their hearts, and deafened their ears to the word of God. Their rejection was almost unbearable for Jeremiah, who carried a burden from the Lord and a message for his people for 40 years. What burden has God placed on your heart? Where are your tears for spiritually lost people? I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. When was the last time you experienced deep sorrow or grief? Hello, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Well, the prophet Jeremiah was grief-stricken over the spiritual decline of the nation of Israel. So he took pen to parchment and wrote the Book of Lamentations, a passionate expression of sorrow or grief. But in the midst of all this sorrow, we find something else altogether. That's where Ron takes us today to a place called Hope as he continues his teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Online, you'll find us at somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the broadcast anytime on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Now here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, Lamentations, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Neil Postman wrote a book many years ago titled Amusing Ourselves to Death. And in part, it was a, a critic or criticism of uh, the entertainment cons- uh, culture in which we live. And Postman was probably right and spot on by saying that, that we're amusing ourselves to death. I, I, I take him also to mean that um, any discussions about sorrow or grief or lament, <laughs> we just run from that, don't we? We, we don't want anything to do with that. Get me something happy today to think about, Pastor, is what most people, you know, want to hear about when they come to church. But here we are on the ultimate road trip through the Bible, and we've come to, of all places, the Old Testament book of Lamentations. How many of you have read the book of Lamentations recently, or, you know, you, you, you get your daily devotions from Lamentations? I know, you don't want to embarrass yourself this morning, but... Um, Grief is, is, is not something we, we typically run toward, all right? It's, it's something that happens to us, right? Grief is, is difficult to process as a response to loss, uh, especially the loss of a loved one or a close friend through death, which is the most common life event that triggers grief. There's nothing amusing about it. However, people can also grieve the loss of employment or the loss of... Uh, maybe their health, the loss of a relationship. We can even grieve the loss of a dream. Have you been dreaming about something, something happening in your life and you've been moving toward that preferred picture of tomorrow, that vision, that dream you have of your future, but you realized just recently it just ain't never gonna happen. And you're grieving the loss of that dream. Well, most often we think of grief 
as an emotional response. But experts tell us that, that uh, we can even uh, go through times of grief and have a physical response or even a psychological response, a behavioral or a social response. You might even have a spiritual response. It may be something that impedes your relationship with God or even uh, that process of you moving closer uh, to God in some way. Because grieving is a process, it has a way of sneaking up on us, doesn't it? And just grabbing hold of us when we least expect it. Especially when those times we want to be amused, we want to be entertained. But grief comes and, and, and visits upon us. In her best-selling book on death and dying, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross identified five stages of grief. Maybe you've heard these before. Maybe you've experienced them. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. She writes like somebody who experienced grief firsthand. And then she analyzed it, and then she put her analysis into a book that became helpful for a lot of people. The most common expression of grief is a, is a melancholy mood that produces sadness and tears. Tears. <laughs> like the tears that flowed from the heart and the eyes of Jeremiah the prophet. Remember we met him last week? We said he's one of the major prophets in the Old Testament and he is known as the weeping prophet. The weeping prophet because he grieved the spiritual decline of God's people that led to the destruction of Jerusalem by the ruthless Babylonians and no, there wasn't anything amusing about it. It grieved Jeremiah's heart. The siege upon the holy city did not happen overnight. In fact, it came after a long period of time where the Lord sent his prophet, Jeremiah, and, and, and through the prophet brought warnings against the nation of Israel to repent and to come back and, and, and to obey the Lord. And, and, and Jeremiah, you know, his ministry lasted for four decades, for 40 years. And sadly, God's people did not heed the warnings. As we said last time, they stiffened their neck, they hardened their hearts, they deafened their ears. They didn't want to hear anything that Jeremiah had to say about the impending doom that was coming. They just wanted to be amused and just go on enjoying their life. But in 586 BC, the Lord finally sent Judah into captivity for 70 years. For 70 years, seven decades it was prophesied that they would be under the ruthless rule of the Babylonians. I, I want you to try to enter into as best as you can, laying aside your desire for amusement and entertainment, try to enter into the grief and the melancholy and the lament of this great prophet known as Jeremiah. As he saw the holy city Jerusalem destroyed just lying in a rubble, and the people of God carried off into captivity. The closest thing I can come to that, that might enter into the emotion is how we all felt on 9-11, when the terrorists came and attacked our country, and we saw those buildings in New York City crumble to the ground, and we lamented as a country, we grieved as a country, we, we felt the sense of loss, and more than a decade later, we, we, we still enter into that very quickly. The painful devastation was almost unbearable for Jeremiah, who carried this burden from the Lord and the message from the Lord to the people of God for four decades. 
And as one of the major prophets, Jeremiah expressed his grief and his sorrow and his lament in a series of, um, well, brief poetic laments. Now, this is the time to grab the box of tissues because we're going to the book of Lamentations on the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Now let's talk a little bit more about uh, grief and what it is or what a lament is. A lament is an expression of grief, sorrow, or regret. And thus, Lamentations is a series of, of five poems, five pensive poems, five poems of lament. However, this book has more to do with just leaving us in a, in a sad and sorrowful state has more to do with than, than just melancholy. In fact, Jeremiah, by the way he structures the book, does not want us to remain in a perpetual state of despair or grief. Uh, in fact, how he structures the book points us to a grander theme. And that grander theme in the book of Lamentations is great is thy faithfulness. How does Jeremiah get from despair and sorrow and lament to great is thy faithfulness? Well, let me show you how. Uh, in your notes, you have a chart. We're going to put the chart up on the screen here. And just bear with me as I go through a little bit of the structure of the book. Remember, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And the Holy Spirit of God inspired and led and breathed into Jeremiah not only the words of these poems, but also the structure of the book. And it points to this theme. Let me show you how. Lamentation contains five chapters or five poetic poems of which the first and the fifth correspond to each other as do the second and the fourth. Now, according to Dr. Charles Ryrie, these four chapters are also written in what is called limping meter, uh, a cadence used in funeral dirges, all right? So it's, it's a sad, sad kind of poem and song. And these four poems are almost like twin peaks on the either side of the grandest of the poems, which is chapter three in the middle. Now, chapter three contains 66 verses. All the other chapters each contain 22 verses, all right? There, there's intentionality here to the structure. Uh, each verse in chapters one and two and four and five start with a letter in the Hebrew alphabet, which ironically, or maybe not so ironically, has 22 letters in it. So in the two chapters here and the two chapters here, each verse in the Hebrew begins with a letter in the Hebrew language and it forms an acrostic. And in chapter three, each letter of the Hebrew alphabet begins a triplet of verses because chapter three is three times the size, drawing attention to itself. And so every letter in the Hebrew alphabet gets three verses. Now, right now, all the grammar nerds are saying, this is fabulous, Pastor, I love this. And everyone else is going, can we get on to something more exciting? I know, amusing ourselves to death, right? I'm trying to make it as amusing and as entertaining as possible. But I want you to see the structure the structure, the divine structure of the book points us not only to chapter three, but to the midpoint of the entire book, which is chapter three, verses 22 and 23. This is the grand theme. In the midst of, of uh, Jeremiah's sorrow and his melancholy lament, he says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Here it is. 
Great is your faithfulness. Here it is. The promise of God's faithfulness gives the grieving prophet hope. That's the message of Lamentations. Still ahead, the second half of today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Source Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Listen to Ron's messages on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, be sure to check out Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps, a free online discipleship coaching experience created by Dr. Ron Jones. Look for Something Good courses when you visit our new streaming platform. You'll find that at somethinggoodradio.org as well. That starting point, A Disciple's First Steps, where you'll discover what it means to be a disciple and learn how to train others to be true followers of Christ. There is a time to grieve, a time to mourn, a time to be sorrowful, but there is also a time to let these things go and turn our attention to the God of all hope. Here's Ron with the second half of today's message, Lamentations, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And I gotta pause here for a moment and ask you, you know, are, are you in a dark place right now? Grieving some loss. Now, grief is a very real emotion. Sneaks up on you on times that, you know, and it's a process to get through, all right? But God doesn't want you to stay there. Some of you have been grieving some loss for years and you're stuck. Lamentations will help you get unstuck, all right? Because Jeremiah, he, he didn't stay in that grieving place. He let uh, the powerful promise of God's faithfulness lift him out of the ash heap of despair and cling on to hope. Well, let's explore each of these five poems as they come and as they flow from Jeremiah's heart. Uh, the focus of the first lament is the destruction of Jerusalem following the Babylonian siege. And in chapter uh, 1 and verse 1, here's how Jeremiah begins. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow has she become. She who was great among the nations, she who was a princess among the provinces, has become a slave. In verses 1 to 11 of chapter 1, Jeremiah speaks. And then very poetically... He personifies the city, and the city itself speaks from her perspective in verses 12 through the end of the chapter, like in verse, uh, verse 12 where it says, it is nothing to you, all you who pass by. Look and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which, is, which was brought upon me, which the Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger. This is the city, the holy city of Jerusalem, lying in ruins, speaking poetically in the poem there. That's chapter one. Now Jehovah's righteous anger emerges in the poem in chapter two, beginning in verse one. How the Lord in his anger has set the daughter of Zion under a cloud. He has cast down from heaven to earth the splendor of Israel. He has not remembered his footstool in the day of his anger. Yeah, this is recalling the time that the Lord used um, the pagan Babylonians as his disciplinary rod with his own people, his own children. And he laid waste the city walls. He spurned both king and priest. He tore down the temple. And here it lay in ruins after the Babylonians destroyed the place. 
And in response, Jeremiah cries out in verse 11, my eyes are spent with weeping. My stomach churns, my bile is poured out to the ground because of the destruction of the daughter of my people, because infants and babies faint in the streets of the city. Jeremiah just can't help himself. The devastation has tore his heart apart. And then Jehovah's righteous anger continues in chapter four. Remember, chapters one and five parallel, chapters two and four parallel. And in chapter four, the Lord's anger, his wrath pours out because kings and prophets and priests did not put their trust in God. Verse 11, the Lord gave full vent to his wrath. He poured out his hot anger and he kindled a fire in Zion that consumed its foundations. A glimmer of hope appears again in verse 22 uh, when uh, Jeremiah says, he will keep you in exile no longer. Okay, there's just a glimmer of hope there. And then chapter five is a melancholy prayer uh, that revisits the destruction of Jerusalem, which was the theme of chapter one. And Jeremiah begs the Lord to remember their plight and to see their disgrace. He says in verse 15, the joy in our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned into mourning. I know you want to be amused. I know we want to be entertained. I, I know we want to laugh our way from, through life. But sometimes, well, as Solomon says, there's a time to laugh and there's a time to mourn. Uh, there's a time to dance and there's a time to cry. This was a time to mourn. This was a time to lament what had happened to God's people, what they had been warned about for so many years, and now the Lord was implementing. At the end, the prophet turns his heart toward hope. He says in chapter 5, verse 21, Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. Now these laments just kind of cascade from Jeremiah's heart uh, like water over a cliff. And they remind me uh, a little bit of a, of a phrase that Paul uses in his letter to the Romans. He, he talks about the simultaneous goodness and severity of God. Uh, what, what a combination. The goodness and the severity of God. We, we, we love the goodness of God, don't we? Uh, we say God is good, and he is good all the time, and he certainly is, but he can also be stern in manner and appearance. To say that God is love and he would never punish unbelievers or never discipline his his own people, like a father disciplines his, his kids, does not represent the full revelation of God in Scripture. Or to say that the God of the Old Testament, as Marcion did in the third century, that the God of the Old Testament is harsh and cruel and inconsistent with the sweet love of Jesus in the New Testament is either disingenuous or uh, grossly misinformed. God is both. And you cannot isolate one aspect of his character to the exclusion of another that he has revealed in the pages of Scripture. Lamentations may contain these gloomy elegies, these poems that are pensive and uh, full of despair. However, it does not leave us without hope. Are you grieving today? Is there a source of sorrow in your life that seems too difficult to overcome? 
turn your attention towards the faithfulness of your Father in heaven. He is the God of all comfort, and every promise He makes is a promise He will keep. All of Ron's messages can be heard on demand on your schedule at somethinggoodradio.org. And while you're there, check out the Something Good digital library with more than 500 hours of Bible teaching from Dr. Ron Jones to help you in your journey with Jesus. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Some of life's greatest adventures take place on a road trip. Nothing is more enjoyable than traveling the open highway with the windows rolled down and the music turned up. Each town, each exit, an experience all its own. Hello friend, I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio, and today I'm inviting you to take a road trip with me. You see, I'm convinced that reading the Bible is the greatest literary adventure you can ever take. But with 66 books, two testaments, and more than 600,000 words, it can be a daunting journey to attempt. That's why I wrote my two-volume book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, where I give you a bird's-eye view of God's Word so you can clearly see how it all fits together. All 66 books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So pack your bags and join me on The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. You'll be glad you did. Here's Brian with details. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1 and 2, can be yours today by request for your gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to request the two-volume set and to gain immediate access to the Route 66 Digital Library. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Pastor Ron, not only did you break this project up into two volumes, but you created what you call eight different road trips, five in the Old Testament and three in the New. Help our listeners understand the motivation behind that literary structure. You know, Brian, categorizing the various books of the Bible into eight separate groups is nothing new. Uh, They include the books of the law, the Old Testament historical books, uh, the wisdom books, the major prophets, the minor prophets, Then we're into the Gospels and the early church, the Pauline epistles, and we finish up with the general epistles in Revelation. But when I first decided to compare the reading of God's Word to a travel adventure, well, it took me almost no time to come up with the phrase road trip to identify these eight sections of Scripture. Uh, What I believe the reader will begin to see a little more clearly is that the books of the law, for example, point to the person and work of Jesus Christ as much as the Gospels do. That's because the Bible is one story with one main character. His name is Jesus, and he is the Christ. Uh, My hope is that by experiencing the 66 books of the Bible as eight separate road trips, uh, this overarching theme will be easier to recognize and understand. Such a great idea, Pastor Ron. We're so glad you decided to share this important book with us. Again, that's The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Both volumes are yours as our thank you when you give a gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245 
Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Learn to weep over the things that break God's heart. And embrace sorrow when it leads you to repentance. But don't stay there. Don't, don't stay in a place of despair. Don't, don't get stuck. But use that also as an occasion to remember the Lord's great faithfulness through every season of your life. And that won't be hard to do. Because you look back in the mirror, and like Jeremiah, you got to say, great is thy faithfulness. That's next time when Dr. Ron Jones explains the difference between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow in part two of his message, Lamentations, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Join us then for Something Good for Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio. I'm Brian Davis saying so long and thanks for listening.